Ladies and gentlemen, we're happy to have him, Mike Dracovic. Um, hi, nice to see you again. Uh, yeah, we're doing streaming. Uh, um, we're streaming Paul Pines next week, next Friday. Uh, in December, we're streaming Therese. I was talking to several of you guys. Just give us a drop us an email. We'll bring you on in, and it all goes out. And uh, okay, so anyway, um, I know the October mortgage is done. So. Buy a book and I can pay the November mortgage. <laughs> Not quite the beginning I was hoping for, but okay. It usually ends better if it starts awkward. I, I, <laughs> the dwarf of Morpheus pulled up alongside me at the light. At first I couldn't see the little bastard, but I heard his deathless cackle, like cronyism, like lightning heat loosed upon dry land. The callous heart loves harshly the craggy-eyed midget conveyed like Tom Waits. I tried to pretend I didn't hear him, but he must be sitting on yellow phone books, because now we're almost eye to eye, so there was no going back. As long as the light was red, I had to engage him. I don't have any money. I said, hoping to deter him until the green one I could floor it and leave him his highway. I got your money right here, he said, though he didn't look like a banker or a senator. He was dustier than that, with amber ash falling from his shoulders. This was undoubtedly the longest light in town, and I awaited its epoch to pass like a wait for world peace, naively, though intently. Ain't gonna be no world peace, he laughed like an all-consuming fire, and I knew he was right, and I knew he could read my mind, and I could tell that he knew where I was last Tuesday. But I couldn't let him see me sweat, this bantam of dreary cognizance. I couldn't let him see my right foot had gone numb, and I couldn't feel the gas pedal. All this will pass, and it won't miss you, he, he mocked, as if I were the outcast ancestor, written off the family charter. On the day after doomsday, we'll all eat meat, I said, knocking him down a peg, beating him at his own prophecy game, and tearing off at the light. <laughs> Thank you. Crows gathering against the gray sky. I guess I am the old fuck at the dark end of the bar. Mourning the day Polly Bergen died and a time when the cuckoo didn't sound so hard. I don't recall Patty Duke being so sharp and so astute. Like she knew the answers before I asked this Brooklyn booter and pumps in a bob. The crows are gathering against the gray sky and I'll have another double, thanks. They dropped her after four seasons and the world has never been the same. <laughs> Thank you. A few years ago, Chronogram printed a poem of mine that I didn't realize they had printed. It was called My Inner Mexican, and it was meant as a joke, but I was at a reading, and several people came up to me like, we didn't realize you were a racist. 
<laughs> I was a racist. I was, it was meant to be cynical. So anyway, uh, that original poem was called My Inner Mexican, and this is called Spinoff. My inner Mexican doesn't complain until he's off the clock with those cervezas ra raising cane about the overall physics of futility, landing something virtually lateless on a burgeoning pile with a 200 mile per hour gale. Buena suerte, amigo. <laughs> I'm going to dedicate this one to a friend of mine, wherever he might be, Mark Rison. And this is called Andy, Mar Andy Martin's America Letter. Fuck. <laughs> Even the Australians know I'm fucked up. <laughs> Lagging behind the prattle of serious people and a bow-legged girl. Reading Andy Martin's America Letter about a similar girl. Exotically nameless, a triumph of nature. Her skin the shine of lotto balls who somewhere in the throes of winsome stands plural without air. Rife with pills and exposition, Andy goes on to say that long after Christ took one for the team, only the army guarantees you a job. Genetically prone to tangents and obviously buzzing on the honey slides we used to sell in college, he's now, invest he's now insisting I'm not a truth seeker at all, but an investor in camouflage and see-through panties. Fight me, pal, I snarl underneath my crank I snarl under my cranky breath. But the bow-legged girl hears me, turns around, stops abruptly, tells me to go fuck myself, then then resumes her labored gait. I, I stop to let her get a block or two ahead and turn my attention back to Andy Martin's America. Where no meat dreams reflect our collective resignation. If flies are karmic, he scrolls, we'd best get used to this shit. But he's errant in his logic, I think, because every soldier is a fugitive when the meat's gone sour, and the only substitute for corporate order is the foment of the mob. Thank you. Like soot upon her finery, the ash of my nature alights. Under surveillance, our talk turns sour. Science, sadism, the work of words. We both know, my antagonist and I, that somebody's burying the bones, that everyone shoots from the same dirty needle, that populist men take tithes. This is called Weak Reads. Sometimes it all seems so prolonged, protracted, extended, beyond its natural life. Sometimes the situations are so forced, you resent the abuse, the push and pull, the shove and shank. Sometimes all you hear is the clock and the refrigerator making ice. Maybe a dying nightlife exposes a clue. Maybe if you just surrendered your checkbook, it would all go away. Thank you. I'm going to do one more and then get into the uh, mortgage part of our reading. Uh, this is called Bullets in Her Hair. She's a backwater hottie needing re revision. 
like her country, a vision of ruin with bullets in her hair and a mad account of her own importance. Her pockets are corrupt, but her conscience is clean. And what better lover can you find these days of narcolepsy? Well, you'd probably find about 10,000 selling themselves cheap, but that sad citizenry has come and gone. I mean, it's come and gone. Either way, her sadness is contagious. Her wine is a delirious vintage. Her rut outside the king's terrain, not far apart from your own. You both submerge panting. Flail for air you know is poison. Grapples of mercy you never secure. You'll have to excuse me. I'm just, um, I caught the Coxsackie virus on the way up on the thruway and I'm just like, <laughs> There you go, pen in the eye, boy. <laughs> I'm going to read a, several from uh, Eve's Venom from Post Traumatic Press. It's called New Friction. A lot has happened since I walked into first grade with my first erection. <laughs> Math was boring. And, in that and as that funny new friction rubbed up against me, my eyes took on a new motor. My hands began to twitch, and like a hot 220, no Bible was going to save me. I felt sorry for Sister Jacqueline, I really did. But I fell in love early with that sunshine spirit, and I fell in love hard and still remain. I've read this one here before. I always get a kick out of doing it, so it's called Biohazard. <clears throat> I feel like a biohazard. <laughs> if I manage to get off this train without diphtheria or consumption or some other biohazard eating my innards, I'll recall the day fondly. Everybody on board coughing and sneezing and <laughs> some oh, some grimy grim thing from deep inside, some viral intruder attaching itself to my cold diamond dollar, raising a family on my liver, riding my triglycerides slowly to my brain and the net of nerves that wraps my fingers around this stupid fucking pen. If it really takes root, God knows I might write weirder shit than this. <laughs> A lyrical fistfight of fraught and humor. If I get off this train with any pulse at all, I'll stop by church tomorrow. <laughs> Pray for those sicker than I only trying to get home. Thank you. I ain't doing that one. Yeah, I am. Jesus, Jesus can make commitments I can't. 
I have bills to pay and a plane to catch and a massive swindle to perpetuate and a narcotic invention to move across town and a shooting list to spell check and a second book of lathe to write and a pagan thurible to attend and a corporate order to overturn and droll confessions to absolve and a baby in a basket to deliver downtown where the sky never darkens on Tuesday and Neptune's coffee ain't much when it's cold. <laughs> if you ever ask me what that one is, I won't swear to it. Uh, I think I might have done this one here before too. Um, this is based on a true story. A lot of these poems are based on true stories and this is one of them. And it's called your book. <clears throat> Frost's granddaughter convinced me of my brilliance as she held me between her legs like I was the last poet at McGeary's. <laughs> we were young and sex closed the deal. Rock that girl and you were the next big thing in the land of letters. Bite her neck and she worshipped your words. Hell, I could do that. <laughs> It was sophomore year, after all, and I had plenty of testosterone then. Discovering tongue along cleavage, lips upon belly, tracing the sweat down her spine. I had a way with alliteration that was wholly American, she said. My hands on her feverish ass as I foraged for her fulcrum, breathing warm along her panty line, their color that of the open sky. 